Warning! This podcast is different from other podcasts. These episodes contain dangerous choices, perilous tangents, and unwavering silliness. The choices made on this podcast may lead to success or disaster. But remember, you are responsible because you choose to listen. Good luck. question is mm. you're watching a film mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. everything that you're seeing is visual representation it's not the actual thing right it is the platonic form of the thing and you see something that looks like a butthole okay is it a butthole well i think the question right is did they point a camera at a butthole or didn't they well, I mean, let's 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 remember, ceci n'est pas un butthole, right? Uh, a representation of a butthole is uh, not a butthole. So, therefore, I think anything that is enough of a butthole to get people to say no, let's go ahead and uh, edit our multi-million-dollar film about cats mm-hmm. to remove mm-hmm. these things. Sup- supposed uh, uh, aberrations. Alleged. These alleged buttholes. So these I, alleged buttholes. I dropped off the chat for a moment <laughs> you, no, yeah. that's why that's why we, that's why we were hoping you had a fresh perspective on it because chris and i are, are deadlocked is, here is the controversy that they edited out people's buttholes or that they failed to edit out people's buttholes <laughs> well so it's interesting you said people uh mark because it's not it's not people they're already not people they are in fact anthropomorphic cats well sure but they're played by people and they're like well, yeah they're they're yeah. they're cgi like mocap suits are based on those people's bodies Mm-hmm. So it's just like a body of a of a, a furry cat thing projected onto a normal body, right? Now, does Idris Elba have cat ears in real life? I thought you were going to say a butthole, and I was going to say probably. <laughs> well, yeah, so that's the, that's the great unfairness, right, is that we all have buttholes, but like Idris Elba has a human's butthole. Well, he has specifically that human's butthole. He doesn't have a human's butthole. Well, I can't listen. I don't read the tabloids, but I can't speak to his private collections. I know that Idris Elba is someone is out there without a butthole because it's on Idris Elba instead. He's got (laughs) it. He's got it. That's why he always wears long sleeves. He's got perfectly defined forearms. The man is is a very strong man with with someone is out there without either of their arms. So Idris Elba can have forearms and buttholes. Literally forearms. Thanks, Chris. The uh. The butthole that's been projected onto Idris Elba's cat avatar is not a mock-up of Idris Elba's personal human butthole. Idris Elbows. Listen, somebody, somebody out there doesn't have elbows so that Idris Elba could have <laughs> two regular elbows on his own arms and one extra elbow for his last name. Look, here's what I'm saying. They took a couple of those little um, like mocap sticker, uh, little nicotine patch looking things, and they put yep. one on each of one of his butt cheeks so that they kind of like got the contours of his butthole and they could uh-huh. capture any action in that region. Yeah. And then they made that into a cat. It's still fundamentally his butthole is the actor there, you know? Yeah, his butthole is the performer. But exactly. the the CGI people sculpted, or maybe not even sculpted, they built the skin for a cat's butthole to go over. Yeah, they reskinned Idris Elba's butthole. What's the problem? <laughs> It's like if a costume designer put buttholes on the costumes. Is that <laughs> Idris Elba's butthole 
or the butthole of his character? And and if so, why why do we gotta ba- why do we gotta lock up a cat's butthole? I mean, I think what we can all agree on is that we need to release the butthole cut. All right, Rele- release the butthole cut. Butthole cut. Welcome to Booze Your Own Adventure, a podcast where three grown-ups try and beat a children's game. I'm Ian. I'm Chris. And I'm an anthropomorphic butthole. <laughs> there it is. Wild card. <laughs> <laughs> and today we are reading Choose Your Own Adventure number, guys, get this, triple digits, number 115, The Island of Time by series co-founder, along with Mr. Edward Packard, uh, R.A. Montgomery. So just to set the expectation, they had 114 better ideas before they got to this one. Uh, we're looking at a man wearing an eagle headdress uh, and a creepy fa- mask um, poking a flaming stick at a little kid. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be... Uh, well, at least we appear to be wearing period-appropriate clothing. So mm-hmm. we've got that going for us. But... For the 80s? Uh, yeah, early 90s Windbreaker. That's okay, a, okay. Okay, see, that looked like a tunic to me. So I was like, oh, okay. So we're like uh, <laughs> Renaissance era, and this is that first like encounter. Sure, why not? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Ian, you're looking at a picture. Chris and I are looking at basically a Rorschach test. So like, yeah, oh, I guess much. I can see Native American yeah. shaman guy there, now that you mention it. I'm filling in the blanks. Uh-huh. I just, his, this, this child's jacket, I feel like I can hear what it sounds like when he moves. <laughs> yeah, you know sure. what I mean? We all have that jacket. Yeah, yeah. Mine was mine was royal blue with uh, white cuffs. Nice. Uh, mine was chocolate brown. It was the Phillies uh, logo on the yeah, front and back. I mean, mine was the Kansas City Royals. I don't have a fucking clue why. <laughs> I feel like Mark, every yeah, every kid had a dumb fucking baseball yeah. jacket. Mark, did you have a dumb baseball jacket for a team you don't know why? Uh, no, I think I had basically a black and gray flavor of this jacket for like four jackets in a row growing up. Ooh, nice. But like no no team associated because I wasn't a sports boy. Yeah, if it's black and gray, it's probably the Raiders. You're probably looking at a football jacket. I mean, right I had there. knock knees so bad I couldn't run in a straight line. I was also not a sports boy. Let's be clear. <laughs> I quit t-ball because it was too hard. <laughs> I was on the worst t-ball team in the state, I assume. Uh, and it was great. <laughs> okay. Warning. Do not read this book straight through from beginning to end. These pages contain many different adventures that you may have while your parents are away, which is good. <laughs> Don't read this book while your parents are around. It has I'm naked a- ladies. <laughs> yeah, I'm already <laughs> thinking like, oh, I'm going to eat peanut butter straight from the jar. <laughs> uh, from time to time, as you read along, you will be asked to make a choice. Your choice may lead to success or disaster. You are responsible because you choose. We've skipped this for like so many episodes now that... I can only hear it read in Andy's voice when I hear I you say things like this. Yeah, I don't, we don't ever, have we ever? We always just we, like skip to the last paragraphs, like, yeah, yeah, yeah the usual stuff, like here the, we go. Yeah, the first few we, we would actually add them, and then afterwards we've just been like, do not blah, 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 yada, yada, and yeah. then we do the last line. At some point, though, we should say like, hey, also thanks to Andy for recording our cool intro. <laughs> just sometime, probably not now, you know? Does he want to get doxxed on our podcast? <laughs> oh, fuck, yeah, maybe not, we don't say Andy or do I don't know. Never mind. What this if we just keep saying Andy, but I'll keep this bit in and bleep it every time. <laughs> and then it's like a mystery. And, and, and yeah. then Andy knows. Andy yeah. knows, but no one else knows. And then people are like, release the Andy butthole edition. I don't know what it would yeah. be called. <laughs> I mean, you recorded it with him, Mark. I, did he use 
is uh, I guess again, again I, I and I assume we're on the same page here. But if there is actually a petition to hashtag release the Andy's last name, we absolutely shouldn't <laughs> because why do they want that? Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, we just start start feeding them misdirection. It's Andy Cohen from uh, Bravo. It's, mm-hmm. That's who it is. Even if you do decide to visit nearby Providence Island in Lake Champlain, you may not have the trip you planned. Good luck. I'm probably not going to decide that. That sounds like a boring choice. Yeah. This is a stay-at-home simulator. Oh, no. Too topical. Yeah. Welcome. All right. We ready for this? Bring it on. You've been given a lucky break. Once a year, you get a day off from school so your teachers can catch up on their administrative paperwork. (laughs) (laughs) Lucky you. Yeah, the, the day falls on a Friday, and your parents are away on a business trip. They are architects, and they have a client in New Mexico who Doesn't wants matter. to build to we'll, an we'll, environmentally... Won't play into the story at all. Why are we saying it? <laughs> they're away. That's all I need to know. Well, no. The, the, now that we know that they're architects, we know that we are a giant disappointment. <laughs> <laughs> they're uh, both architects? Are you kidding me? They met in architect college. They work together on projects, which is super annoying. Like they, gotta- they make all these jokes about the strong foundation of a relationship. Ugh. Jesus Christ. They want to build an environmentally sound solar house. In order to ensure this, they had to go look at the site. I thought I was going to say they had to go look at the sun. <laughs> <laughs> Much to your delight, they have left you all alone for the first time. For a year and a half now, you've been trying to convince them that they could. Mom, I'm old enough now. Trust me. I can look after my sister. I'm reliable. Was your standard speech. Mom, I'm old enough now. Was your substandard speech. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here, Mom and Dad. I I can do it, you bunch of bricks. That that was the one that got you sent to your room. Um, However, this time things were different. We're going out of town for a few days, your mom said. And your father and I have decided. Before she could finish, you blurted out. Oh, no, you're not going to have some drip move in here to take care of me and Peggy, (laughs) are you? That is a fate worse than death. Ugh, this kid. Oh, boy. Yeah, like this kid's going back in time to when, like, they just threw kids in the river for being shitty. Okay, let's let's (laughs) hope so. And not that, like, they look at his Casio uh, uh, backlit illuminator watch and think he's a god because we're in trouble. Your father and I have arranged for your sister to stay with Belinda Grist. The old sorceress who lives on the hill. (laughs) Right. You know, my old friend, the sorceress on the hill from Dayton, Ohio. Your spirits tumbled. Likely due to the sorcery. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Like the ones coming out of her vat when it's knocked over. (laughs) The, The curse. The curse got you. Belinda Grist was far and away. Number one. Capital N, capital O. Oh, wow. Yeah. On your hate list. Uh-oh. You are to stay at home. Alone! For a moment, you remain quiet as the full meaning of the announcement hits you. You're not hydrated enough to masturbate as often as you're planning on right now. <laughs> you need to think about logistics. Where are you going to lie down if you pass out? <laughs> There's a certain number of gallons of water you can drink every day before you die. But <laughs> you are going to jerk off a bunch. So how do you strike that balance? <laughs> And what about chapping? Trying to sound like an adult, you replied as calmly as possible. Well, uh, given the circumstances, I would be only too uh, happy to do this for you, Mom. Good, then it's settled. Water the plants, feed the dog, take the messages, whip the slaves, choke your father. (laughs) 
I'll leave the number where we can be on the refrigerator. <laughs> or I'll leave the number where we'll be on the refrigerator. <laughs> We're not going far, you see, but we are traveling to the refrigerator dimension. <laughs> you can always get in touch with Belinda or Charlie Munson if you need to. Uh, and if you look me up in the phone book, make sure you get it. It's, it's a U, not an A. It's a U, not an A. Charlie Munson. Right. They'll put the, the jail will put you through to a man who does not wish to speak with you. Uh, why did they pick that name? Maybe he's a killer. We don't know yet. Okay. Uh, but of course, you won't need to call them, right? Right. And you will definitely wash the sheets, right? Before we get home, you'll wash just all of the sheets in the house? That was two days ago. You've stayed up late to watch the David Letterman show. Capital You've D, eaten... capital L. <laughs> right. <laughs> You've eaten pizza every meal. You've forgotten to brush your teeth on purpose. Oh, fuck! And, right? And you've worn the same clothes two days in a row. You even have a loyal subject, Melvin, your dog, who waits at your beck and call. Friday, your day off from school has finally arrived. Everybody at school is like, wow, you stink like shit and you keep falling asleep in class. <laughs> right. Like, are things cool at home? Because I don't want to have to fill out more administrative paperwork about, like, calling defects. <laughs> Yeah, uh, okay, cool. So we're all on the same page. Yeah. Christ, what an asshole this kid is. Yeah. I really thought it was going to be like, you get to stay home for a few days and like play video games or something. Going to school kind of takes the fun out of it. Yeah, I get to stay home on Friday. You yeah. ate pizza f- at, for, for lunch at school? So you brought pizza from home to school? Yeah, yeah. Uh, what, what should I do? You ask yourself. You don't like to sleep late. And hanging around the house, which is pretty isolated, can be boring. You don't like to sleep late, but you do stay up late to watch Letterman. So, yeah, you're a zombie. He's working on, like, four hours of sleep. He's full of grease and salt. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, you cut running. out all that time wasted brushing your teeth, showering, or changing clothes. And you actually Good find point. that you have, you know, a wealth of time. <laughs> it's the Zuckerberg plan. <laughs> um, I've got it, you announce to Melvin, who sits anxiously at your feet waiting for a strip of bacon. Have we... Have we met Melvin yet? Uh, he... Yeah, he's our loyal subject, our dog. He's who... definitely a dog. Yeah, we see him a uh, paragraph above. Okay. But that's the first time. Yeah, okay. I don't think they started using dog with two Gs until like, what, 95, 96? Yeah. I just wanted to make sure it was like definitely canon that Melvin wasn't just this weird guy we take care of. He lives in our house and we feed him bacon. Well, I mean, that's why mom sent uh, Peggy to stay with Miss Belinda Grist, because God knows she can't leave him around Melvin for three days. Yeah. He's your dependable garbage disposal and four-legged trash can. See? Not a dog. Robot. Yeah. (laughs) We'll go to Providence Island. How about that? You say, giving him another strip and slapping him playfully on his snout. (laughs) Doing violence to your dog is a joke? Melvin gives you a kind of nervous yawn, a cross between a question and a squashed yip. Which, like, that sounds really hateful. Yeah, it sounds like you just hit your dog for fun. Oh, man, right. this guy's a nut. Yeah. You kick your dog, and then you yell at him for barking at you. That's yeah. what a squashed yip is. At that moment, the telephone rings. You hate telephones. <laughs> <laughs> they always interrupt what you're doing, which is literally nothing. You pull your gun and fire it at the telephone. <laughs> Being alone is great. Teach you dickheads to call me. Gentlemen, choice number one. This is a big one. Do we answer the phone or ignore the phone? Uh... Can we ignore it once just to like see if they really want it and then answer yeah. it? That's All right. right. Yeah, I like that. We're screening. We're choosing page 12. Screen the phone call. Mm-hmm. Deciding to ignore the phone, you get lucky. Two more rings and the phone stops altogether. 
Good, you think. I've got bigger and better things to do today. You live in northern Vermont, not too far from Lake Champlain. Champlain is huge, as far as lakes go. It's it's small for moons, <laughs> uh, but gargantuan for elk. If Lake Champlain were an elk, ugh, it's beautiful. With the green mountains to the east and the Adirondack Mountains to the west, they're rugged stone covered with pine, hemlock, and birch. Shouldn't it be they are? Like T-H-E-Y apostrophe? Yeah. No, they're rugged stone. Like the rugged yeah. stone of the mountains. They're rugged... Yeah, 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 okay. I mean, look, if you if you if you catch a grammatical error in one of these books, you get to body slam R.A. Montgomery, which is a lot <laughs> less enjoyable now that he's, you know, been dead for a while. Just goop, yeah. Yeah, but uh, you know, earlier in ni- mid 1990s, I mean, that's kind of if you can do that, more now, power would, to you. Would R.A. Montgomery fly to you or would Chusco pay for you to fly to them? Yeah, it's all expenses paid. Uh, they fly you up and then you get a running start mm-hmm. and you know, just do your best. There's one of those uh, Taco Mac Bruniversity goals where, like, we will fly you to Germany or whatever to do Oktoberfest. Huh. Just FYI, in case you're trying to rack up some Bruniversity Taco Mac points. I feel like I have spent so much goddamn time in Taco Macs. <laughs> I, like, I don't hate a Taco Mac, but, like, right. it's just yeah. a supremely un- inoffensive place to meet people. They have a good beer selection. The food is decent. Yeah. Uh, and so as a result, it's like, oh, well, you, uh, you know, you... I, I want to go like get Ethiopian. I want to go get like uh, just fish, raw fish. Well, <laughs> why don't we meet it in the middle and we'll all go to Taco Mac? That way we'll all be equally slightly unhappy. Sure, Taco Mac, everyone's middleest choice. Yeah, ta- Taco Mac, the uh, the collared shirt version of the Cheesecake Factory. Taco Mac, you didn't know white bread got this white. Taco Mac, we put taco in the name to seem like we're fun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. What does the Mac mean? What is the Mac part? Taco Mac, don't order the tacos here, you idiot. What are you, what are you, don't order the tacos. There's a place near me called Experimac, uh, and I was really excited for it because I thought it was going to be a lot of just like weird takes on macaroni and cheese. Oh my God, yeah, that'd, that'd be, be great. Tight. Right? It's not that. It's just a place that will repair your Apple devices. Oh, Ugh. fuck off. Exactly. It's not even a restaurant. I hate it. I hate it so much. About eight miles away, your family has a dock on the lake belonging to Providence Island. Chris is going to go there if the coronavirus gets too bad. (laughs) The island is big, over 160 acres in size. Uh, Small for an island, big for a backyard. When you're out there, it almost feels like you're on a different planet. A small planet. Small for a planet. Small for a planet. Big for an island. Green for a basketball court. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Here's the really good line. It's really special, really isolated. Some people say that the past is alive there. Mm-hmm. You would normally say that about a museum or something with any history to it. Yeah, but this island, boy, it's been there. Mm-hmm. This water's been around for a while. Historic Williamsburg, where the past yeah. is alive. <laughs> uh, the dock stretches out into the lake in a big L. Ice, water, and the pounding of waves have all gnawed away at it, leaving raw-looking concrete wounds in its foundation. Concrete wounds are the, the wounds you get when someone hits you with concrete. Oh, yeah, yeah. like uh, abrasions. Mm-hmm. Off to the side, there is a small boathouse. That's where the family boat is kept. Ah. A 13-foot inflatable Zodiac. So, not so much a boat as a raft. It's big for a boat. Small for an oil tanker. Small for an aircraft carrier. No, it's buoyant for a ceiling fan. It's pretty big for a stick. 
It's dumb for a scientist. <laughs> it's red. And if there's only one person on board, it can go really fast. <laughs> I read this article about how Outer Worlds has a dumb mode where if you set your intelligence to one, you get like different uh, speech options. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and this sounds like a speech option from a dumb mode where it's like, oh, here's my boat. Can you tell me something about your boat? Well, it's red. And if there's only one person on board, it could go really fast. <laughs> boat red fast. But fast red boat. This is my floating fast red boat. It lives in the boathouse. Your dad says it's one of the safest boats on the lake. You believe him, but in rough weather, the waves come right over the bow. Bo, Chris. Bow. You believe him, but you used to have four more siblings. Yeah. So, <laughs> But it's much faster now. <laughs> <laughs> Your boat can take anything the lake has to dish out, and sometimes that can be plenty. What does that mean? It's a lake. I don't know. Yeah. It's got a lot of hateful language. <laughs> Yeah, that, and, and the Zodiac is like, it's unflappable. That lake is just constantly talking shit. The prevailing winds are the westerlies. Is anybody writing this down or should I slow <sighs> down? Get I'm you guys... so fucking sick of this R.A. Montgomery spiel. And when the wind swoops down off the Adirondacks, zooming over the lake, it hits mm -hmm. the greens in Vermont, where it shifts direction oh. and frequently roars back up the lake from the south. Let's talk about how R.A. Montgomery likes to write what he knows and how his job is to write what's engaging. And this is just yeah. self-indulgent bullshit to fill pages, and I don't fucking appreciate it, R.A. You guys think we have a motor glider in, the, uh, in one of the shacks in the family house? I fucking hope so. I'll take a motor glider. Waves can kick up on Lake Champlain in a matter of minutes. Frequently, again that word, they build up to three, four, even five feet high, and the wind can easily hit up to 30 to 35 knots at a clip. So there's some jargon. He was just like, he had an atlas open in his left hand as he was writing his book with his <laughs> yeah. right. If it weren't 1991, I would think it was Wikipedia, but needless to say, you must be careful on the lake at all times, even though you just said the boat can handle whatever the lake dishes, whatever. All right. I can't wait to get to the part where things happen in this story. <laughs> yeah. That's, the th that's, that's my power, Mark. Nothing ever happens. <laughs> <laughs> in the fiction of this story, we're still just sitting at the table. Like, yeah, my mom hasn't even said anything yet. Right. <laughs> no, we did a whole week at school. Did we, though? Did we? Yeah, we did, we did two days at school where we didn't change clothes and oh. made the counselors worried we were living outside. You mean mom sitting up top on the refrigerator. She, she is still here, but oh. she, she's officially on vacation. We can't talk to her. Right. No, no, no. She enters that plane and she's unreachable. Sound waves don't hit her. Gotcha. If you're going out, it's always a good idea to bring someone else along. With this in mind, you call up your friend Tom, who lives down the road and hasn't talked to you in two days because you stink like pizza, garlic, and B.O. <laughs> you dial Tom's number. The telephone rings several times. He doesn't answer. Quid pro quo. He's like, it's a two-way street, dickhead, and we're not friends anymore. Yep. You're about to hang up when he finally answers. Right now? I don't know. The weather looks iffy. He responds to your proposal to go out to the island. We know that, R.A. We know that. <laughs> don't worry. It'll be fine. Haven't you always wanted to investigate those Indian burial mounds on the north end? We're going to dig them up and see what Indians look like. Yeah, it can't be that far down and bring him a good shovel. I'm a giant piece of shit. You wait for his response. You are sure he will come. The prospect of digging around graves will get to him. <laughs> uh, yeah, it would get to me, too. Like, it's very yeah. unsettling. I like to know that my shovel is penetrating the ground. Chris. <laughs> Well, well, okay, uh, but we'll turn back if it gets stormy, right? Tom warns, indicating not only the weather, but your propensity for manhandling corpses. 
You bet, you reply, plunging your fist into the air victoriously. What a sentence. Yeah. That's yeah. A, that's a fun <laughs> verb. Plunging your fist into the air. It's like the air was this threshold that was just waiting to be like penetrated through. Oh, see, I was thinking the air is like a jet, like a jellied mass. Yeah, exactly. An hour and a half later, you and Tom are at the dock. The lake is so blue and the air is so clear you can almost see forever. That's a uh, foreshadowing. Yeah. Uh, about how you're going to die on this island? No, just uh, you can almost see forever because it's the island of time and forever is actually a thing that we might encounter. There is a light chop to the water. Nothing to worry about. The wind is out of the northwest at about 10 knots. So forget oh. everything we told you about the, the <laughs> westerlies. Scanning the sky, you spot the usual buildup of cumulus clouds over the Adirondacks. You judge that they are not storm clouds and proceed. I just want our next CYOA book to be by anyone other than R.A. Montgomery. That's all I ask. I want, <laughs> I want just a break from this. This is, I would say, oppressive. This is too much detail. This is R.A. Montgun- Montgomery having tenure and no longer giving a fuck about proving why he should be doing this job. Just yeah. doing it at you. This this is his response to some junior editor suggesting that he lighten it up a little bit. This is the the Star Wars prequels of R.A. Montgomery. Like he's established and no one can stop him, so he's just gonna shit out the things he thinks should be shut out. Guys, it's a word painting a word picture. Uh what a day, huh? You say, unzipping your windbreaker. Yeah, sure is beautiful, Tom replies. Pulling his pants down. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, not that beautiful. Uh, together, you and Tom take the Zodiac out of the boathouse. You like the way the Zodiac slaps the water as it goes in. There's something about the boat that really pleases you. Maybe it's because Jacques Cousteau always uses Zodiacs. He loves the way the Zodiac slaps the chops of the water. <laughs> Everybody loves slapping chops. <laughs> the motor starts with just two pulls, which is a weird brag. Uh <laughs> You let it idle for a few minutes in neutral as Tom climbs aboard. It takes him minutes to climb aboard? And then something happens. Then there's a conflict or something in the story? With a nod to Tom, you put the motor in gear. Lean the mixture. Okay. That's what it says. <laughs> no, yeah, that's, those are the words. Those yeah. are the words. A nod to Tom, you put the motor in gear, lean the mixture, wheeze the juice, and cruise out <laughs> of the harbor onto the open lake. The bow picks up the spray and sloshes Tom, who sits on the starboard side. He pulls his baseball cap down tightly over his brown hair, so he's got a brown hair, it's important to note, and girds himself for the next wave. And then he turns into a werewolf, and we have a book. He doesn't have to wait long. Two big ones slide over the bow. Bow. <laughs> you don't fear the water which is your first mistake, and the waves are challenging. You find it thrilling. Tom is soaked and looks totally miserable. He is hanging on to the bowline, bow line, as if his life depended on it. <sighs> Still nothing is happening. We're describing what boating is like. Page eight. Woo! <laughs> I, don't, I don't like the looks of this, Tom says. I think we're in for a big storm. Look over there. He points west. The mountains are gone. Thank God! Mystery of the Mountain Thief! We've got a book! The shoreline is dim and indistinct. In a matter of uh, minutes, the waves have mounted to four or five feet. A monster wave bashes its way over the port side of the boat. I'm not, I'm not going to get excited about the prospect there might be monsters in this wave. I've already given no, up. There's not. I was going to sing like a monster mash bit, but it, like, I just want to get through it. Yeah. Let's head back, Tom shouts, his voice thin in the midst of rushing wind and the growl of the motor. Your instinct tells you he's right. However, you're more than halfway to the island. Perhaps you should continue on ahead and seek shelter there. 
Uh, if you decide to turn around and go back, do a thing. If you decide to go on, do a thing. Can we go on to a different book? God, I want to decide to go on so we die. But, well, I think if we die, we get at least two pages describing, like, the choppiness of the water. <laughs> yeah, let's see if we die. Let's, keep, let's go on. All right. Hang on. We're more than halfway there. You call to Tom above the sounds of the motor and wind. It's not that bad, really. Just think of the stories we can tell back in school. You know, heroes of the lake, stuff like that. Heroes of the lake. You're, you're going to yeah. get to the part where you're talking about the wind roaring over the eastern part of the Adirondacks, and then someone's going to dump your head in a toilet. He's going he's gonna to think about the stories he can tell of the time he watched his friend Tom drown. I can't wait to grow up to be 85 with my own line of books so I can inflict my stories on millions of readers. <laughs> Tom holds on to Melvin, the two of them staring with uncertainty on their faces. A vicious gust of wind and water smacks you in the face. It makes you really angry. <laughs> yeah, see how you like it, dick? Slapping. The audacity of this gust of wind and water. Smack. It happens again. Okay, that does it. You shout to the wind and the waves. You turn the boat off and jump down into the lake and start punching the water. You'll show it. <laughs> fucking, fucking fish house. Your fists plunge into the lake. You're nothing but piss. <laughs> Grasping the handle of the motor, you apply more power, feeling the red zodiac chew into the black water. A foam of white curls passes the bow. Wow. Bow. Wow. It's a bow. It's a bow. Wow. I forgot what the right one is now. Hang on. I, that's exactly how I feel. I'm pretty sure no, it's, it's bow. It's a, it's a bow, you guys. It's bow. Bow. A foam of white curl, a foam of white curls past the bow. God damn it. <laughs> what are words? It's a real garden path sentence. Turn back, Tom shouts, hiding from the full force of the waves by crouching next to Melvin on the floor of the boat. The <laughs> waves won't see me through this dog. Yeah. <laughs> the fog shifts a little and you realize that you are near the south end of the island, way off course. As you get closer to your astonishment, you make out a huge paddle wheeler tied up to a dock protruding from the rocky shoreline of Providence Island. Painted on the hull, you read the name Ticonderoga. It's a pencil! <laughs> Together you stare at the figures on the dock and the large carriage loaded with baggage and supplies, which is moving up a path that leads toward a huge white hotel. I can't wait for the part in this book where somebody like nonchalantly says, like, oh yeah, it's 1841! <laughs> <laughs> Nobody ever says the year in these things. I just want to point out that, like, the book up to this point can be summarized as, you and your friend Tom went out of the lake one day. You found an island. Or it's like, you're here on the island with your friend Tom. Yeah, exactly. You recall pictures you have seen of the island from the 1800s. There used to be a hotel on the southern end. Steamers made the 120-mile trip up north to the Richelieu River and Canada. Providence Island was a stopover point for passengers, and the hotel was famous throughout the region. For its hookers. Right. Yeah. Those really cool Providence Island hookers. <laughs> Until one day when the hotel mysteriously burned down in a blaze that could be seen for miles around. Hi, you two. A sailor in a blue uniform shouts at you and Tom. Want a job? You mean us? You reply. I don't mean your dog. <laughs> that is, unless he's a talking dog. Of course I mean you. Can't get good help these days. You know how it is, uh, he says, blustering on and on. You say, proving his point as you ignore the rest of his words. Right. Interrupt him. You yeah. are pot calling the kettle black, Montgomery. Yeah. Kids these days, huh? They don't know how to write a 60-word sentence. They don't know how to write a choose-your-own-adventure book with no choices or adventures. That's a talent that takes age. <laughs> then it dawns on you. Why doesn't he say anything about the strange boat you and Tom are in? If you really are in the past, and this is not 
part of some joke or a film production, then he would have noticed your modern boat by now. Well, whatever's responsible for this turn of events, perhaps it causes him to see everything as it is in his own time period. What a ridiculous <sighs> assumption. And like, I don't even need it. Like, let's just move on yeah. to the point where things happen. Maybe he sees you and Tom dressed in 19th century clothing and your boat as a wooden skiff and Melvin as a manservant. <laughs> Uh, you can handle lines, carry luggage, stand watch, even be the wiper in the engine room. <sighs> or oh, the bathroom. But can I lean the mixture? You, we don't have mixture in the 19th century. <laughs> it's just coal and sweat. Then he smiles at the two of you, waiting for your reply. I can tell from Ian's voice that his smile has three teeth in it. <laughs> yeah, it's very, very sensual. Um, Gummy. Uh, how much is not much? You ask, let's say, oh, uh, two dollars. Only two dollars an hour? Tom says in disbelief. Starting wage at a fast food place is five fifty for kitchen help with no experience. 1991, everybody. I wonder what he heard in this, like, babblefish mode that we're apparently operating <laughs> in. Yeah, yeah, if everything we say and do is different. Yeah, we just said, like, I could get a job at a local bakery for two dollars a week. Yeah. He's like, why did you say that? That's what I said. Two dollars an hour? Why, I've never heard of such foolishness. You and Tom look at each other blankly, unable to come up with even a theory as to how you wound up back in time. Maybe you should slip away and try to figure out a way back home to the present before you get stuck in this time warp. If that happens, I'm closing the book. So, Mark, the alternative is we just work as a, a person on a steamer boat. <laughs> But the alternative is we listen to Ari Montgomery describe the return trip through the lake, right? Okay, you so you... uh, my decision comes down to this. Mm -hmm. So I'm already picturing the captain as Willem Dafoe. Okay, yeah. Uh, Ian, how good is your Robert Pattinson from The Lighthouse? Oh, f uh, fun fact. He, Robert Pattinson's Robert Pattinson from The Lighthouse uh, changes from scene to scene. Oh, so, it's garbage, right. So like, yeah, It's uh, meaning meaningless drivel, meaningless drivel. It's a low, low bar. But if you can clear it, I say let's get on this boat. Let's get on the boat. Yeah, let's get on the boat. I mean, we're, we're already on one boat. The risk is that R.A. Montgomery will feel the need to describe the workings of this boat, too, right? Oh, God, it's going to be his fucking Moby Dick, isn't it? Well, we like know 17 that paragraphs of just talking about <laughs> finding each other's hands in the whale fat. Yeah, that's a gross chapter. Um, the squeezings, where you've got to squeeze them. Yeah, you got to squeeze it, and you, 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 the hands in the ambergris. Yeah. Ugh. Count me in, you announce to the captain, looking at Tom for some sign of agreement. Me too, I guess, he says dejectedly. Off you go. You won't regret this. Hey, hey guys. Hey, uh, I don't know if you guys noticed this as you were scrolling to page 75 from page 94, but there appears to be a picture in this book. <gasps> uh, of a dwarf menacing a child with a revolver? Extremely correct. Yes. And I don't know how we get there, but we must get there. God. Okay. We should have answered the fucking phone. I know we, we should have answered, answered the, phone. the phone. We should have answered the phone. Okay. All right. Let's let's get to the first possible ending and then go back yeah. and answer the phone. Yeah. Got you. For lack of a better option, you head for the bridge of the steamer and sign yourselves on as crew. What a weird thing to say about a book you're writing. Like <laughs> for lack of a better option. Because there's nothing else better to do. Your first job is to swab the decks. This was great fun and you loved it. It was so fucking cool. Hey. You there, work harder, a surly man says. This ain't no party, at least for you it ain't. Hang in there, you reassure Tom. This could be interesting. 
Not me, I'm getting out of here. I'll bet if we just walk up the path to the house on the north end, we'll walk right out of this time machine. You think for a minute, not being able to make a choice. Go for it, you tell Tom. I'll meet you there tomorrow at dawn. Hey, good luck. Same to you, Tom says, sneaking off the boat with Melvin and heading up the path through the woods. I want to be left alone, and that's what I'm going to get. Yeah, glad I invited Tom so he could watch my dumb dog. You notice a piece of paper on one of the deck chairs. Okay, this is natural. This feels right. It is a copy of the New York Globe, dated July 9, 1890. Whoa. You barely have time to look when First Officer Kelly commands, I need you up here. Very good. (laughs) Thank you. It seems there's a saboteur around these parts, Kelly explains. They say he's been hired to do us in. Could be competition from another steamer company. Could be a plot to stop business on the lake. Could be the trolls we angered. Or some kind of loony on the loose. Or a curse. You go and hang around. See what you can find out, okay? You leave the boat, head up to the hotel, and mingle among the crowd for a while. Later, you attach yourself to some of the kitchen help. (laughs) Like a barnacle. (laughs) Yeah. Unfortunately, you come up with nothing. Everything seems to be fine and normal. No one mentions any trouble, any saboteurs or crazies. It's just a pleasant summer afternoon in 1890. The specter of the Civil War has just completely been forgotten. Yeah. In Vermont, hardly anything matters. That night, as you are about to return to the Ticonderoga, a fire breaks out. The one you read about that destroyed the hotel many years ago. The wooden hotel becomes a smoldering ruin within a matter of hours. Heading through the woods, you suddenly encounter cold rain and fog. You keep on going until you reach the porch of the house on the north end. Reaching into your pocket, you pull out the folded New York Globe from 1890. It is yellow with age, the only sign of your strange adventure. The end. Thank God. God, this sucks. All right, let's answer that phone. It's like... R.A. Montgomery finally got to the part of the story that something interesting might happen, and he set up this, like, time travel boat with a possible, like, uh, arson plot, and then his yeah. editor just, like, tapped him on the shoulder and says, like, hey, I know you're trying to set up a cool mystery plot, but you need to wrap it up. You've got 110 words. And then <laughs> and then we just got, you investigate, but don't find anything, so you go home. The end. Like, there was no path. There was no choice we could have made to do the investigating. There was no yeah, choice. Yeah, really, yeah. Yeah, ugh. We didn't do it wrong. Ari Montgomery just didn't put an adventure in this book. Yeah, he put the focus on the wrong stuff. Like, the bones are there, and I think he's just too horny for descriptors yeah. and, and doesn't really want to create a plot. People don't need character engagement. They need lakes and descriptions of boats. Uh, no one's traveling in time. Someone's going to ride a Zodiac this summer. How many pages can we describe a Zodiac going across a lake? Yeah, so we're at home. We're feeding the dog bacon. We're not changing our clothes. Fuck rules. And then phone call. And this time we answer it. We answer it. Instinct says this call probably spells trouble, but the ring tugs at your conscience. Against your better judgment, you answer it. I like this already. It's building suspense. It feels like there are stakes. It's only a phone call, but it feels interesting. I'm in. Uh, hello? You say cautiously, ready for bad news. There is a pause, a sound of electronic beeping. And then a familiar voice comes on the line. Can't believe it. It's Belinda Grist, of all people. Maybe the electronic beeping is her voice, and she's a robot. (laughs) She's calling you from a prison. (laughs) I'm just calling to make sure you're doing all right, she says in her syrupy, do-good voice. (laughs) Chris, are you? 
For a fleeting moment, you think about letting out a gasp, feigning cardiac arrest, and choking out your thanks that somebody has finally called. I just really wanted an an ending where we watch this kid die. I hate this (laughs) fucking kid. (laughs) He has been nothing but shitty to everyone. Like, I, I don't typically hate our main characters, but like, holy shit, this fucking kid. Fine, you say. Couldn't be better. Thanks for calling, but I gotta be going now. You quickly hang up the phone. As if it were a poisonous snake ready to strike. What does Belinda Grist probably think is going on when you answer the phone that way? Uh, everything's fine. Bye. No, no problems. No problems here. Uh, uh, how are you? What have you got your penis stuck in? Yeah, I mean, she called the teen boy home alone. Definitely. Oh, are you kidding me? <laughs> Wait, uh, are, we, is, are we on page 21? We're on page 21. <laughs> Holy shit. <laughs> then the telephone rings again. This time you refuse to answer it. Let it ring, you say to yourself. You laugh, enjoying having the power over the phone. What nerve you think, <laughs> proud of yourself. Enjoying the power you have over the phone? Yeah, fuck you, telephone. Your I teeth the rules. with just straight up fucking like uh, peanut style, the, the gross kid dirt lines coming off them. On the other end of the telephone line is a disc jockey from WYKB Radio in the North Country. Well, so much for our $6 million winner. As you know, once every six months, ladies and gentlemen, we pick a number at random and make one and only one call. They win our million-dollar prize. Well, it looks like there's nobody home. Have a nice day out there in North Country. In a way, it's a good thing he'll never know who called. The end. What the shit, R.A.? Fuck R.A. Montgomery. Yeah, fuck this book. Well, I'm, well, Mark, uh, I'm done Mark, with do it. You feel, do you feel bad, Mark, get, like, buying into it for a second? I, I like, do. I feel... I. Mm. What were we supposed to do to get to the good part of this book? So we gotta answer the okay. phone. Yeah, gotta answer the phone. That takes us to page 12. Okay. Uh, then we go to the next page. Then we go to page 70. Okay. So page 9, we're out on Lake Champlain with Tom. Uh-huh. It's stormy. Uh-huh. Do we turn back? If we turn back, we go to page 82. Okay. And this is the okay. good path, huh? Yeah. Let's, let's find out. This is the one where a dwarf attacks us with a gun. That's what we're looking for. Pa- turn to page 76 is what we're looking for. I'm with you, you say to Tom, deciding to turn around and head back. You know that it's okay to give up. Your dad <laughs> has always stressed that there is no shame in turning back, whether it be on a lake, a mountain, anywhere. Tom mutters something in reply, but you can't hear him. He grips the bow bow line. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm overthinking it. Now, now I'm in my goddamn head about it. Bow. Ian, you you teach English to children, right? Yeah, almost never do boat terms come up. Almost <laughs> never. I can tell you that this is a this is a, a homonym because it's spelled the same. You guys didn't read uh, Voyage of the Dawn Treader? No, we don't read overtly Christian Voyage of the Dawn Treader That's in too public bad. school. That's too bad. It's also like the th- third book and fourth book in the series. So Dawn Treader is the one where a sailor jumps back and ejaculates, right? What? Talk about James James Brown? Uh, no, there's a there's a in one of those books uh, they land on an island with like a shitty dragon and the dragon turns out to be a person and then the phrase the sailor jumps back and ejaculates is oh. part of that and we were reading it in, in class okay and okay. Uh, the shitty kid in class was just like oh he jumps back and jizzes and the entire class lost their goddamn minds yeah that word could not appear in any book and not have any you know middle school high school class just descend upon it like you right. would pass it around between classes and point at it and like whisper like it says ejaculates and it was like the most amazing thing 
Ian, you're you're a real teacher. Like, does uh, are kids still amused by that, or has like the age of ubiquitous porno just like ruined that? So here's the thing: I can't speak to the sex stuff, but I can tell you that if there's a swear somewhere, kids are kids are all about it. Mm-hmm. They can't get enough of it. Um, sometimes, like we okay, there's a there's a memoir, a short memoir piece called. There's no recipe for growing up by Sachi Cool. Uh, it's really, really good. It's like three pages long, um, but she she's like a twenty something lady, and her mom is from uh, northern India, and her mom like won't tell her the recipes, and she's moved out on her own. She wants to learn the recipes. It's really, really good. But there's two f bombs in it, and I tell my kids when I'm passing it out, I say, "All right, y'all, there's swears in this." And the first thing they do is flip through it, like flip, 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 and scan. <laughs> and and you, you've never seen a group of teenagers read something more closely than when they're looking for it. Like, I don't tell them it's an F-bomb. I don't tell them it's like this word. But they're like, they are just looking so hard for it. And then uh, we reread that one out loud one year. Uh, and when we got to that point, uh, it was one time it was used as a joke. Uh-huh. Uh, she had she had made a recipe and she had left out almonds. And so she's recalling this and she says, you know, I did this recipe. It was perfect. Everything was perfect, except I forgot the almonds. But you know what? Fuck almonds. And so we get there and I was like, yes, I left everything out uh, except for the almonds. But you know what? Almonds are unnecessary in this recipe. And then my kids... <laughs> They love it. It's the easiest jokes in the world. Yep. Any kid, smart kid, dumb kid, you know, well-read kid, the kid that doesn't read, they love a swear. They love a joke about a swear because they because they know the swear. I guess. I just don't like, I mean, people are swearing all over the place these days, right? Maybe it's, ju- maybe it's just ninth graders. It's, but but it's, yeah. It's different when it's like. Sanctioned. Yeah, sanctioned and not supposed to be sanctioned, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I had a teacher who would occasionally swear in class. Like she said damn to us one time. And I was like, hey, are we allowed to say damn? And I don't think she stopped me. So for the rest of the year, I just worked damn into every sentence. (laughs) Hey, hey, Miss Cook, what the damn does number five say? Just like every sentence. It was great. And then the next year, she instituted a swear jar just for me. (laughs) That's good. Uh, So you could swear if you were flush with cash. I mean, it was like a quarter of her swear. So I just paid the tax. It was great. Oh, my God. That's so many do you just t- tally up at the end of the week or yeah i mean at the end of the day like it's not like you get to talk all that much in a class of 30 kids so why not you know that's a good point go damn nuts <laughs> uh okay bow line bow bow line <laughs> bow line like you he is soaked to the chin the waves are relentless and it's getting cold fast melvin looks at you with the gaze he reserves for food begging uh my- Oh, that's right. Melvin's a dog. I keep getting it mixed up with Tom. <laughs> I was like, why does Tom have this gaze? Why do we know what it looks please, like? Please, I'm hungry. Yeah. Slowly, you push the handle of the engine to starboard, initiating a big turn in the rough waves and swells. The bow comes around, <laughs> then hesitates for a moment as the wind catches it and tries to push it back. You increase power, feeling the bow banging against the waves. For a moment, you are facing right into the teeth of the wind. Teeth of the wind is good. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the clouds have lowered. You can no longer um, make out the- Lowered. Sorry, yeah, <laughs> the clouds have lowered. Uh, you can no longer make out the island or the shore over the bow of your boat. You're going to come back to teaching your for real English class when all this is over and be basically unable to use the English language <laughs> verbally? Not saying any words out loud? Yeah, I'm in trouble. The Zodiac is turning in a slow and sloppy arc. The wind increases. It's got so many more teeth. Rolls of teeth, like sharks. <laughs> You estimate its gusts at 40 knots or more. I estimate these gusts at 40 knots or more. What's wrong? Tom asks. 
oh, nothing. I was just saying that I think we should put our life vests on, you know, for fun, <laughs> just to test them out, okay? We're lost, aren't we? Well, not really. I mean, we're on the lake. We can't be too, f- can't be too far from land. It's not like we're out in the ocean. We couldn't have left Vermont in this time, so... Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't connect to Canada. Um, I knew I shouldn't have come. Why do I let you talk me into things? Tom, calm down. We're not in trouble. We're, we're in a lake. all right. Yeah, in trouble in a lake. Just trust me. It is at this precise moment that the motor coughs, kicks, sputters, and dies. In that order. Does it mm-hmm. slap the water anymore? The water that chops? Yeah, dude, that motor fucking slaps. Now, once it... <laughs> <laughs> that motor just land. <laughs> once the boat is dead, the boat no longer slaps. The waves do the slapping to the boat. The, you know, the power has shifted. Right, the choppy waves. Mm-hmm. Top chop. Suddenly, you are broadsided by three huge waves. You struggle into your life vest, then turn your attention to the motor. No luck. You try all the standard procedures, which are listed here. Nothing. Not even a kick. <laughs> we'll be killed, Tom shouts. Good! <laughs> you judge that the Zodiac is heading toward the gut. Capital, Capital G. G. A narrow channel between the island and the mainland. The gut is famous for rough waves. Good. You remember, you remember a pat, well, now they're telling us about why it's famous. That was in the summer and there weren't <laughs> any clouds or fog around to complicate navigation. You, on the other hand, are lost in fog and what's worse, it's fall, not summer. This is so much fucking Lake Champlain information yeah. crammed into this 110 pages of goddamn book. We got like four pages of time travel and about 40 pages of lake description. <laughs> I think if you go to rent a canoe on the Vermont side of Lake Champlain, they make you read this book first so you can take the danger seriously. I think if I went up to Lake Champlain and just started talking about Lake Champlain to people who have lived there their entire lives. They would hold your head under the water until you stopped moving? Well, yeah. probably, but they'd also be like, oh, wait, are you, are you sure you, didn't, you ain't from here? Because we, we, all your knowledge of Lake Champlain, we all have this weird accent yeah. out here. Why, why don't you be our mayor? <laughs> <laughs> Since you know so much about our wet, wet earth. <laughs> um, that's what they call the lake. They're like, people haven't been able to live on this wet earth for years. It's just a big puddle. We can't figure it out. <laughs> I lost my youngest child to that wind what come down the Adirondacks and blow it right over to Canada. <laughs> Every planting time, we seed the wet earth with feet with plants and never are rewarded with a bounty. If I come up in the morning, this is how people talk in Vermont. Yeah. <laughs> the waves are beginning to get enormous. Without a motor, you're at the mercy of the storm and the lake, which stretches for 125 miles. Ooh, you knew that, Outlander? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I, had, I could swear to that Lake Natsuki coming to my dad, 24 miles in that about. <laughs> I am the great Vermont. Bow before me. Bow, bow before me? Bow, <laughs> b- bow before, bowling. Bow. Oh, we got bow maybe. before that there Vermont monster. <laughs> <laughs> maybe, just maybe, you'd be better off abandoning ship and praying to the Vermont monster. <laughs> No doubt about it, it's a risky plan, but if you are going to pray to the Vermont monster, you'd better start now. If you decide to pray to the Vermont monster, turn to page 23. If you decide to stay with the Zodiac, stay on page 93. If Tom drowns and we're responsible for his death, are we the Zodiac killer? <laughs> oh. Because it's the name of the boat. Very good. Also, yeah, also, yeah, we are culpable for first degree manslaughter. <laughs> I think so. And also with the, like Melvin too, right? Like he's probably not going to swim too good. I don't think dog slaughter is a crime. Whoa. It's, it's a cool name for a crime. It is a pretty good metal band. Yeah, that's really actually, 
that's the kind of name that will still make people uncomfortable. You know, like you can kind of be like rape corpse nowadays and people just be like, oh yeah, you're a metal band, whatever. But if you, uh-huh. yeah. if you bring violence to dogs into it, it's like you crossed a line. Exactly. It's the only thing that's actually like transgressive anymore. Mm-hmm. But now Dog Slaughter is a good goblin name. And if we're still going to play that goblin RPG at some point, I am collecting goblin names. So, I mean, they, they wield weapons called dog slicers. Like that's canon. Oh, nice. True. Yeah. I mean, well, to them, a dog's a bear, right? Like, it's like a grizzly bear. Yeah. It's well small for a bear. It's big for a lake. Oh, Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, it's small for a bear, but big for a lake? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what yeah, yeah, size yeah. is it's, it? Well, you know, it's big for a small lake. This puddle is lake for a puddle, but big, but uh, ocean for a, <laughs> a pond. <laughs> Chris... <laughs> Chris dissociated, and now it's just all nouns. There's no more description. <laughs> I'm just a pile of words. All right, are we swimming? Are we staying on the boat? Yeah, no, just jump into this fucking water, and it, with any luck, we'll die. Okay. Swim for the islands, 23. Son of a bitch. Tom, you're not going to like this, but I think we should try and swim for the shore, you say. No, no way. I've had enough of your schemes. You're going to get us killed, he says, looking at Melvin for support. <laughs> Tom's a native Vermonter. Yeah. And you can't trust a dog, you can't trust nobody. <laughs> now, hold on. We don't have much time. Let me try and explain. Before you get a chance to finish your sentence, Melvin shifts his position in the boat, causing Tom to fall overboard into the lake. Holy get- fuck! Melvin is here to kill! Yeah. I think it's just like, Brett- um, Tom interprets Melvin's shifting as a sign that he should jump into the lake. Because he was clearly looking to Melvin for like, what should I do next? Yeah. Yeah. And Melvin takes one step toward the edge of the boat, and Tom's like, all right, fuck it, I guess. <laughs> uh, grabbing Melvin well, by the. Grabing Melvin. Gra- sorry, gra- grabing. Oh, there is only one G. <laughs> grabing Melvin by his collar, the two of you jump over the side of the zodiac, treading water alongside Tom. Hey, Ian, are you going to write down grabing Melvin as a goblin name? Ooh. <laughs> it's a great am- uh, emo band. <laughs> grabing Gra- Melvin. It's, it's me, grabing Melvin. So just real quick, we have spider bait. <laughs> Dog slaughter. Uh, Grading Melvin. <laughs> Which is just, it doesn't make sense. But I think in a group. Grabing isn't a failed verb in goblin speak. It's just a name you would give to, you know, a goblin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it's also that line from the Jabberwocky, right? They talk about mm-hmm. uh, the mom wraths out grabe. Mm-hmm. We're going to 101. 101. I don't 101. One I wouldn't give for this book to be over. <laughs> Probably 20 minutes in this water is all one can take. The cold water is no problem for Melvin. His fur coat acts like a wetsuit. He's also used to years of abuse and thinks like, hey, anytime I'm not getting beaten on the nose or whatever, cool. Swim, you manage to shout again between strokes. Tom flounders a bit, which flounders are born swimmers. It's brilliant. Stroke after stroke, you continue on, noticing Tom's eyes shifting together to the top of his head and his body flattening. Stroke after stroke is how I would describe this book. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Oh, man. If you want, I will look and I will find the... Stroke Stroke after after stroke. stroke. I mean, to be fair, I will find... is the official lyrics of stroke (laughs) after stroke. (laughs) Stroke after stroke. If you call, I will ask you, where is the toast? (laughs) (laughs) Let's finish this fucking book. Okay, I can't can't think of anything else, but 
This is a really good game. <laughs> Welcome to Stroke Jokes. Oh, man. Oh, God. Oh, man. This, pro- so this podcast got fist and stroke jokes. We got you coming and going. <laughs> and I think. Uh, uh, coming, coming and going. going. <laughs> Almost coming, not coming. Ruin coming. Oh. All right. Uh. Welcome to Booze Your Adventure Nights. Yeah. It's weird. You came for the sex talk, but we also have really mean-spirited stroke jokes. <laughs> <laughs> our new, our new uh, solution for not getting sued by Chuzco is to make podcasts that they can't bear to listen to. Yeah, like if they can't finish it, they can't sue us for it. Yeah. You gotta Whoa, to the careful. <laughs> oh, because we're edging. Well, no one can finish. Oh, God. Not while I'm in charge. We should finish this book. We've got enough now. We got we to gotta get out of this book, you guys. It's like Inception. You stay too long, it gets weird. Mm. Guys, we keep getting this book right to, right to the very cusp and then bringing it back. We're not going to let this book finish. Okay, the sound of the motor buries your screams. You pray <laughs> that the boat doesn't plow right over you. You're in luck. They've spotted you. What? The end. Oh, there it is. We need <sighs> to have stayed in the boat. We need to have stayed in the boat and drifted with it. Well, we need to have bought a different book. Well, that about does it for us this week on Booze Your Own Adventure. Fuck you, R.A. Um, Montgomery. <laughs> seriously, this was, this was a boring book. I hate you for making me read this. Yeah. Uh, we read them so you don't have to. That could be another tour of tagline <laughs> for our show. It's like, hey, guys, if you thought this was a good idea, not this one. I mean, that, like, we should have a spinoff podcast where we just read the worst fiction from the internet. Maybe. It can't be worse than this. Right? Yeah, because, like... Fiction on the internet, you can kind of forgive because, like, it's one person's passion project that they published on a Zanga. Uh-huh. Yeah. This went through layers of editing, the publication process. Like, this was checked off. This was, you know, people looked over this. They built artwork for it. Well, the writer handed it to the editor who handed it to the CEO directly, uh, and it was all the same person. So, yeah. Yeah. R.A. Montgomery kind of passed it around a big circle to himself. <laughs> Another great one, R.A. So glad you pay by the word, R.A. Thanks, R.A. He has a uh, hat rack beside his desk, and he puts on a different hat whenever he gets to a different part of the job. But none of the parts of the job actually involve doing anything other than changing the hat. So until next time, <laughs> I've been Ian. I'm Vamonta. I'm Mark. And remember, don't read <laughs> any books about time travel that are written by R.A. Montgomery. Don't do it. This is a, a note you for future just don't Ian, read Mark, and Chris. Just don't yeah, read. Quit reading books. Stay at home, watch TV, don't listen, don't, don't look, don't Stop watch the news. fucking reading. <laughs> that's the new catch, that's the new line for the, the tagline for the podcast. Stop fucking reading. Responsibly. But no, you're talking about buttholes.